Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today we have on with us Margie Mays. She is a singer, songwriter, performer, host, all of the above, and more. You probably know her from American Idol. We are so excited to have her. Hi, Margie. Hi, guys. This is, I love that intro. I just got so excited and I didn't want to leave already. (laughs) Yeah, it's Margie, like you guys, you'll see her. She's in this beautiful yellow, her hair and her makeup's done. She looks so sunny. We're here under seven feet of snow looking drab. So it's like, it's just a perfect, we need (laughs) we needed her energy. I'm getting a workout already. My abs are getting tighter by every (laughs) half. That's the goal. That's always the goal. So Margie, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, and how old you are. Oh, well, I love all of it. Okay. Oh, because this is the Roaring Twenties. I, I need to know how old you guys are, but we'll come to that later. My name is Margie Mays, everybody. Your intro was great, honestly. You probably, if you have ever heard of me, it's probably because of American Idol. I've spent the last two and a half years of my life kind of revolved around that show. It absolutely changed the course of my life. It was one of the most divine, beautiful, just, it makes me want to weep every time I talk about it, experiences. It was my truly America watched my biggest dream of all time come true. Like you say, you know, when you talk to, I have chills, you know, when you talk to a seven-year-old girl or boy and they're like, what do you want to be? And they're like, I want to be the president. Mine was to be on American Idol. And I never thought that dream was even possible by the time I was 25. And then for it to occur and in the divine way that it did, it just changed my heart completely and showed me anything is possible, truly, I believe. And so, yeah, I've I've just, I'm a singer. That is my first love always. But then doing the show, I kind of also realized I'm kind of a multi-passionate, accidental entrepreneur type. I feel like you guys can totally relate to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, get a, I get like very excited about that but I also get very insecure about that sometimes and so I'm dabbling in the world of I really love to do musical theater that's something and you guys probably do that um getting into the world of like kind of acting accidentally which is interesting and fun also the world of hosting and so it's a lot on my plate but it's all super exciting and I have no idea what my actual career will look like in five to 10 years, but I'm excited to figure it out. I'm very scared about it. <laughs> and lastly, I'm 27. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Oh, yes. So many good things in there that we're definitely going to get to a lot of yes. stuff about following your dreams and courage and whatnot. And definitely love that you said that you don't know what your career is going to look like in five to 10 years from now, because how the heck are we supposed to? Yes. Oh. We're starting on that foot. Yes, for sure. I feel like so many, we talk about this all the time, and this is a big reason of as to why we do this podcast is to really make people feel less alone. And I think for people to hear from you, especially who they might see on big stages and might see excelling in all these different forms for you to be real with our audience and your audience and say, listen, 
listen, I love all these things. I don't know where I'm going to be in a few years and that's okay. Um, I think brings people a lot of peace. And like you mentioned before, just this whole thing of following your dreams in general, super inspiring to, I think a lot of people in the creative field, Julia is an actor. Um, I definitely started musical theater. My friend Ashley and I released a little, little Christmas song a few months ago. And it's, it's just so beautiful to hear all these things. So anyway, since this is about you, Margie, for anyone that doesn't know, give us a little background on your story. How did you like get started with music? Love it. Okay. Boom. I'm going to talk really fast. Okay. <laughs> drink down. Um, I mean, you both are creatives. You're both performers in your heart. When, when that most of the time, my understanding, cause this is how it was for me. It's in your heart. Like from the time you're seven or eight years old, the moment, whatever happens in your brain at that age where you're like, I want to be this thing. It clicks and it's in you and you just can't shake it. And it's, I was that person. You guys are nodding. Cause I'm like the, clearly this was you too. You're like every wish I ever had on 11, 11 was like, I want to be a singer. I want to be a singer. Truly, like, <laughs> I love that you guys are silently oh, chatting. So much. <laughs> yeah. I definitely wish that at 1111. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like every, I have chills. every single wish I've always wanted to be that, but I will say I'm from Delaware originally. So from the East coast, I'm from, I feel like I always explain this, but it is part of my story is like, I'm from a family of doctors and just people who had careers totally not in the arts. So coming from Delaware, not, that's not a creative place, you know, not the hub of like musical theater or the entertainment or the arts and coming from a line of doctors, people who made money and like knew how to do that consistently. That's kind of the right way. I felt very, grew up feeling very ashamed of the dreams that I had and very unworthy and very embarrassed by them. And I've always been, I've excelled at school, like always was super good academic person. So I, I was raised to know like sports and school are the right things to do. And so I was a high achiever always, but just always had this dream in the back of my head. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll wrap this story up quickly, but like when I was about 11 years old, I, so I will, when I was like eight or nine, I remember I told my parents, I was like, Hey, I want to like, I want to, I remember I got up all of this courage. We were in the car. I will never forget this. And I was like, I told them, Hey, mom and dad, like I want to have a career of being a singer and an actress. And they just totally shit on it. Can I say that word? Yeah. yeah. You can say all of the words, Margie. They're oh, all they allowed. Said, they just were like, who put you up to this? They just had all these questions about it. And I just remember my little tender heart. I still have a tender heart, but my tender heart just was so ashamed. I never brought it up to them ever again, honestly, until like American Idol happened at age 25. And so I was so ashamed and I was like, I pushed it very far back and I said, I'm not gonna ever bring that up again, but that doesn't take away the desire, you know, that you have. It's way too strong when it's in your DNA. And so when I was about 11 years old, I remember I played really competitive squash growing up. Do you guys know what that is? Mm -hmm. like, well, love it. Okay. For those of you who don't know it out there, it's on like one episode of The Office, but it's like indoor <laughs> tennis. That's a, like, it's indoor tennis. Just picture it like that. It's a sport. Um, Also a vegetable. Mm -hmm. And we traveled a lot. My family, every weekend, we played really competitive squash. And my older sister was very, very good at it. And I remember one, and I by association was kind of good at it. Have you ever had like a sibling who's great at something? And then you're kind of like, oh, the Saunders sisters. <laughs> I was good by association. And um, I remember there was chatter, blah, blah, blah. One weekend, I was 11 years old and there was chatter in this community that like basically the Michael Phelps of the squash world was starting a team 
of squash for girls at Stanford. And I, my sister and I went home and we were like, bing, 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 what's Stanford? We Google Stanford. I see the school. I see I'm 11. I see that it's in California. And I said, that's my golden ticket to becoming a singer. First of all, if you understand, if you're anywhere older than 11 years old, you might know geography and you might know that like Northern California is so, so, so far from Los Angeles where you probably moved to be a singer. But I was from Delaware. I'm from a state where you literally are in another state in 10 minutes. I did not know that it was not exactly the right spot, but I, from that moment, I mean, if I want, if I like think about true dedication, it was that. I put that in my head and that was my goal. And I was like, that's how I would become a singer. And everything I did after that was to graduate at the top of my class and do everything I could to get into the school. I got into the school, boom, boom. I moved to California and I've never moved back. And I ended up studying human biology and communication in college. Like totally different because you know, when there's academia all around you and then you go to just like this prestigious university, you, you feel like inclined to study something. Yes of that is valuable. So I did that, loved what I studied, but slowly but surely, that was when the musical bug started just mm. like creeping and crawling around my heart. And I joined an acapella group, which was the first time I ever got to sing like pop music yeah. in front of people. And it was so like uh, pitch perfect. Like we did the ICCAs, the yeah. whole show. And I just, it was the first moment where I, I got external validation, like, oh, you can kind of sing better than you might think you can. And I, and it just was like slowly but surely, I just felt this potential inside me. And it just wanted to get out of the box that I'd put myself in, where I felt like the society was putting me in. Anyway, fast forward, I'm 21, 22 years old, graduating college, and all of my friends are have these prestigious jobs, you know, making a lot of money, which is the quote unquote right thing to do in this world. And a lot of things we struggle with in our 20s is trying to come to terms with that notion or <laughs> come to terms with that notion. And I just remember one of my best friends to this day, she and I would walk around the campus loop and I just said to her, I just feel like I have this potential and I need to like scratch this itch. So I Googled music schools in LA, boom, boom, boom. All of the deadlines were closed except for one. And it was the school I ended up going to, Los Angeles College of Music. I loved it. It's super small. It had like 150 kids in the whole school. I, the day after I graduated Stanford, I gave my diploma to my parents and I said, I did this. I'm going to do me now. I drove, I put myself in the U-Haul and I drove to LA with my mom. And then I have been here ever since. And then essentially the rest of the story is I started music school. It was literally, have you guys seen Hillary Duff in Razor? Raise Your Voice. Of course. <laughs> It was literally that, like technicolor hair. I am like the clumsy Lizzie McGuire falling out of my seat. Like everything about it was a dream come true. And my friends even were like, you're going to fall in love. And I did. I met my now ex-boyfriend, but I fell into like, had my first real love from that school. So I will forever be indebted. And then couldn't, I hate to say like connections, because it's not really connections, but sometimes you make a network in a school environment. One of the teachers and then like someone affiliated with them, basically that eventually landed me in a, a call that said, Hey, do you want to do this audition for this TV show? Which is a thing in LA, like probably in New York, you guys, there's always musicals and shows being created in LA. Same thing. There's always reality shows happening, blah, blah, blah. I remember three weeks out of music school, I was teaching one voice lesson a week on Sunday mornings and Saturday mornings. And I was walking dogs for rag. And I was like 24 years old, literally had been a professional student my whole life mm -hmm. and i just walked off the precipice of girlfriend there's no more school you gotta start doing the do and i was totally drowning 
Yep. And, and then I remember I got this call and it was like one night, three weeks out of music school. And I remember my boyfriend of the time. So my first real love, I was just wanted to take care of him all the time. Right. He was sick. And I, and I got this call and I was like, Hey, there's this audition for this TV show that doesn't really exist yet, but do you want to do it? And I remember thinking, Oh, I don't really want to do this and wait in line with thousands of people tonight, but okay. You must say the brave. Yes. Mm. And that little brave yes it was not for idol it was for a totally different show i don't know if you guys ever saw the four it ended up like it's, kind of, it, it's another one of those singing competition shows yeah they say when one door shuts another window opens this was that to a t thank god i said yes to that i pulled i like put my hair in a ponytail i went there i had this hilariously hilarious audition yeah. ended up Spitting water all over these men in the room because I was just so nervous. Classic me being so scared, but just you got to do everything scared, right? And then basically, I did not get that show. I left. It was a funny experience. I continued doing my dog walking, totally being confused about how to navigate LA and living my life. And I then six or seven months later, it was the summer of 2018. I was driving in my car and I like my iPod was on shuffle or my iPhone. And this like super grassroots Star Spangled Banner I had like recorded uh, maybe a year prior. I sent it to my dad because I was like, you should put this, he makes Christmas home videos. And I was like, you should put this in the home video or something, just kind of random. And then he texted me back that morning. This is July of 2018 or June. And he said, you should try out for American Idol. You owe it to yourself. And I said, ha ha ha, okay, dad. And I, my eyes, and he was all, he's the doctor. He's the surgeon. He was never... I remember kind of like my heart was pricked on that day because I was like, oh gosh, like, should I look into this? Like I was under the impression people didn't get on those shows and he'd also just never been in support of it. So I, there was just something about that text that like bugged me. It bugged me and I did nothing about it. I went about my day, six or seven hours later, went to a, a yoga class. I walk out of the yoga class, you guys. And then this is where my life began to change. I had a voicemail, a missed call, and a text message from an unknown number. And it said, hey, I am a casting person from American Idol. And I was I was in the room that day when I did that hilarious audition seven months prior when I spit up on the people. He was like, you're the first person I thought of and I'm casting for Idol. Are you interested? I had, guys, I had not applied. I, and it just happened to be serendipitously oh, the day I did. I, oh, all over my body. <laughs> Every time. And I literally like my stomach flipped and I said, Oh, I'll never forget where I was. I have chill still. And I said, absolutely. And I drove home. I called my mom. I was like, Oh my gosh, like what the heck is happening? I obviously had no idea if this was going to pan out, but I, I luckily like, what did they say? Like something happens when opportunity preparation meets luck or yeah, luck um, preparation meets opportunity or something like that. <laughs> yes. Whatever that was, luckily, like I had, a, I had made in, in music school, like a, a website with just, ex and like a vocal reel, certain things where I could show what I do to some degree. And like, I had started making videos of myself, so grassroots, but like in my apartment singing. And I sent the stuff over immediately. And then the guy was like, or to the guy that called me and he was like, well, I'm going to send it to the casting producers. If they're, if they like you, well, we might hear back within days. I heard back and they were like, Hey, do you want to come sing for us? Like in a week and a half or two weeks bring three songs, 90 seconds each, boom. I walk in two, like two weeks later, I walk in, I had three songs prepared. I sang about a song and a half and they looked at me and they were like, do you know who the judges are? And I was like, I said something ridiculous about hate, about shooting whipped cream out of my boobs. Cause I was just so nervous. Yeah, I just didn't want to sit. Well, I, my first thought was like the only judge that I know is Katy Perry and I love her song birthday, but I don't want to ruin the facade, classic imposter syndrome. I was like, I can't 
accidentally mention a song and then have me sing it and me suck. So I'm just going to say something totally unsung related, which is that I shoot whipped cream out of my boobies and they laugh and they were like, well, we're going to have you sing for them. And it was so nonchalant and I had no idea. And it was, that was this July of 2018. And next thing I know, November of 2018, I filmed the audition that everybody saw the first season of Idol. Literally my life just exploding in front of my own eyes. I couldn't believe it. Best day of my life. And everybody saw it and it was totally viral on Facebook. Cause I was, I couldn't, I was the opposite of chill because it was like truly me Buzz Aldrin stepping on the moon. I was living more than I ever thought I could ever do. And yeah. Oh, I love that story. I love every piece of it. And um, about your dad texting you that day and like, then it happening. I just, I, we me and Brenda have been talking about that a lot about like just being in motion, a body motion stays in motion. And it's like just the little things every day. And like the door is going to open. If you just keep doing like the little thing every day, like eventually, like it's going to come and it comes serendipitously like that. And I just love, I, I love that you told us that piece of it. And also about, you know, that is something we talk about all the time about our whole lives, at least for Brenda and I and our friends, we were professional students. Like that's all you know your whole life. And then you're thrown into the world and you're like, figure it out, like get a career now. And like, you're like, do I know what I want to do? what's my career? Do I want to do this career? Do I like this career? Does this make me happy? Like, it's so crazy that we're this one thing for 22 years of your life. And then all of a sudden you're something completely different, unless you like do like grad school or med school or whatever. But like, eventually you hit a stopping point on that. Like no one is a student forever. So I'm glad you brought all that up because it's something that our audience deals with a lot. And it's terrifying. And you're just like, especially, I know you guys are in this group. If you have, if you, fall into the creative brain path and you're just like brick I don't want to be a doctor and or do anything else that's that school path I'm putting quotes around it you know what I mean yeah and you know I guess we could be grateful that we had that we found I think a lot of people ask me questions I just did like a I filmed for my YouTube like a little Q&A advice thing and a lot of people say like what if I don't feel like I found my thing yet Mm. and I really it, it is this little bit of a privilege and I'm grateful for that we just had this, our hearts were pricked with what we want to do or what we really truly love. Even if we don't, if we don't have the courage yet to make it what we do, we, at least we have something kind of guiding us. And in the, if you sat, I, do you guys ever, did you read um, Glennon Doyle? Untamed? Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. And she talks about like getting in touch with the knowing and sitting in the closet and shutting my eyes. And it's just finding your intuition and letting it guide you because it knows, it always knows. Ugh. And anyway, I I could literally talk about all this stuff. No, it's it's, it's, forever. Go ahead, Brenda. Seriously, I I can't. It's so funny because I'm like, my goodness, she couldn't be a more perfect guest for us because all of the things you talk about between authenticity, vulnerability, aligning with your beliefs, you're reading Glennon Doyle books, all the things. It's just so aligned with what we're talking about now with our audience because we, it is such a confusing time. And it's funny because in terms of creativity, Julia and I fall in line in different areas. We both kind of started in a very similar way. And for me, it's something that I, for a very similar reason to why you chose not to pursue it in the first moments of your life, um, why I didn't choose to fully pursue the creative path. And Julia is there in the trenches fighting <laughs> um, for her uh, talent to be seen and and recognized for all that it is. And it's it's so interesting because this project, although of course we're still pursuing our own uh, 
things on the side, this project has become so powerful for us to share our voices in a way we didn't know we would share them. So we're just, we're really, really grateful for having you on here sharing yours. Cause I think, I don't really know what people would expect out of this episode, but I think it's going to bring so much value. Yeah. I um, want to move on to the, the authenticity yeah. so that you just mentioned, Brenda, because I know something about you, Margie, is that you, you talk a lot about that. Like one of your strengths is that, and something people admire about you is that you do show up so authentically so what was that experience like like being in the public eye for the first time on this huge national show and like what was your experience with you know knowing that that is the the vortex that you're in but wanting to show up as like the most authentic version of yourself and now also like translating that to like instagram your blogs your host like how do you navigate that oh that's a really great question. Um, oh my gosh, we literally need to have a three-hour episode. Okay. I know, it's okay. So, <laughs> I will say that, okay, sometimes you can, you have to like take what other people say about you to, to put something in context. If that it makes sense, I'm going to use an example, yeah. is when Idol happened and I like announced it to the world, I kept it my own secret for quite a while because I'm always that person. I'm like, until there's contracts and I know it's going to happen, I'm nervous because <laughs> things fall through. And it was like way too good to be true. But when this all happened and I announced it to the world, everybody around me from my high school, from my middle school, from my college, from my acapella group, all these little like buckets where you have friends, right? And you've touched people and they've touched you. Everybody's reaction was, we are completely not shocked by this. And I think there's, there, uh, that's a good way to describe it because I think I always felt a little bit, the way I can describe it is when I was like going through life and like I was at Stanford, right? And just in this amazing university, super happy. I always wake up happy and I'm very grateful that that's the chemistry of my body, but, and of my mind. But I would look in the mirror and I always knew in my heart, and this goes back to the intuition thing, but I always knew I was still en route somewhere else. And then when I got to music school and started living, following my actual bliss, it just fell in line. I fell in love, which I don't think is a surprise because it's an energy thing. And I started following my passions and I like ripped that. I just exposed myself to that wholehearted living. And I, I can't unlook it. I can't look back. I can't do anything other than that anymore, but because I've seen the possibilities and the beauty in it. However, I think that I've always a little bit been unapologetically myself is what I'm trying to say. I think other people saw it and I, I just wasn't in the right environments quite because I always had to do the school and the sports and don't get me wrong. Those are great environments to be in. But like when I was on a stage, was where think the all like cylinders were firing in the correct places and I just wasn't able to do that with frequency enough to I don't know how to I think I'm kind of rambling here but I think I always have been unapologetically myself but I do remember and I'm grateful that it happened at 25 and not 15 yeah. I will say because you don't know yourself at 15 mm-hmm. 25 I think I've been I don't know if you guys know anything about astrology and I won't go into the tangent, but there's something called the Saturn return. I learned about about the Saturn return. (laughs) And I'm in my 27th year. So it's happening right now. And and it just, it's, I'm thankful it happened at 25 because I was able to see like, guys, this is, I, I got this by being myself and I had done enough auditions and I put myself in the right places, AKA music school enough to know that it was my, my, me being myself, my personality was opening these doors. So I was very certain I was like, and I had criticism on this. Let me tell you, I mean, I had a fight 
a constant battle with my dad. Him being like, you should have a character. You should be a facade. Like he's a doctor. He literally doesn't know. And I would be like, that's a whole, that's something I deal with in therapy. But it's like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm achieving these things. There's this whole thing about imposter syndrome, right? And eventually when you achieve enough stuff, you have to take a step back and say, these are not they're not coincident. It's not by chance. Mm. You are achieving because you're, you have work ethic and, and the right factors you need, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I just knew my into my knowing Glennon Doyle knowing said you must be yourself in every shape, way, form. That is the only way you will really suck up all the beauty of this experience. And I will say I did that. And it was, there was judgment. The moment I hit that that audition, I was so freaking excited. People thought that something was wrong with me. And that's just the world of the internet. Like the moment that this yeah. thing exploded, I saw, okay, there's going to be so much kindness and also tons of criticism. But the beauty of when you're following your bliss and doing the things you love, you are way too busy being proud of yourself to give an SHIT about any haters online. Sorry. Yes when you are like doing the biggest dream of your life or even a little dream of your life, you do not care. The people below you, the trolls, troll away. <laughs> you don't care. Um, yeah, so I think it's just always been inside me and I lead with that. And to get, I will say, getting the positive effort, like the positive reinforcement of, mm. oh, whoa, people like that you're yourself. I'm able to do it more and more confidently. Yes. And 100%. so all I can do now is encourage other people to do that and just say, hey, if you don't have the experience yet or not everyone's going to be able to be themselves on a huge platform, please take it from me that it's so beautiful to do that. Yeah, absolutely. No, that was so beautifully put, Margie. And we talk I, maybe every episode at some point about being unapologetic. And something we ask our audience and ask each other all the time is if no one else's opinion mattered, what would you be doing differently? And it's like this question that shakes us to our core because it really forces us to be like, yeah, forces us to be like, is, am I, am I where I really want to be? And it's, it's so beautiful because we've found through our own, like just self-discovery journeys. And honestly, through this podcast and being able to connect with each other and being really forced at minimum once a week to have introspective conversations, it's just helped us align with the type of woman that we want to be and align closer and really understand kind of that whole untamed thing is like, which beliefs are my own? Which ones do I actually want to follow through with? And which ones do I not? Which ones have I been, been conditioned to believe? So so, and we've had endless like back and forth specifically about honestly little situations that I'm thinking of you that I know you're thinking of the same ones where we're like, okay, when I act authentically or respond authentically, I feel so much better as opposed to putting up these little guards or fronts or you it just makes really work out better when you just be yourself. When yeah. you just listen Always. to your voice and be authentically yourself, usually the way you want things to work out, they do instead of when you're like trying to act this other way because someone else says you should to get to that place like that usually that path doesn't usually work and the authentic path usually just does and you can hear that from your story margie that like it's the, it is a prime example of when you are just yourself like that it does come it does come around attention attention calling all sneaker lovers calling all sneaker lovers i have incredible news because our newest sponsor here at run Twenties podcast is ebay ebay is the original sneaker marketplace 
and it is a place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. Whether it's a rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you are looking for. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. So a team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the logo, the box, the stitching, dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and it also protects sellers with a verified return policy. And for you sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection, which is just incredible. So go head over to ebay.com sneakersToday.ebay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. So go ahead, girl, go get yourself a pair of cute sneaks. You deserve it. Get a pair for your boyfriend, for your dad, your mom, your dog. I don't know. Everybody loves a good sneaker. Go head over to eBay and enjoy. Wow, there's so many things I want to say. One, do you guys read? Do you guys read Brene Brown? <laughs> of course. <Okay. laughs> My favorite person in the whole world. She's freaking phenomenal. And I had watched her TED talk that everyone's watched about vulnerability. But then I, going through this, this my first real, real heartbreak. Um, a friend of mine reached out. And she said, read Brene Brown, read Daring Greatly, and then read Rising Strong. And I crushed through Daring Greatly in like a day. And just a lot of what you guys are talking about, about being vulnerable and like Mm -hmm. that is courageous. Showing up as yourself is courage and you need to live vulnerably and courageously so that you can live wholeheartedly. The goal being to live wholeheartedly. I just love her stuff. It's so funny, Margie, because Julia actually gifted me that book for, I don't even remember which birthday. And at my old full-time job, I remember I didn't have any clients at the end of the night. So I started reading the book and I I was like, okay, I'm not done with this yet, but I really want my mom to be able to read these pages. So I started photocopying it and like gave it to her staple. Wait, I wanted to send it to my mom too. I'm like, you need to read this book. And they're just like, what I... I tried to like start the conversation with my mom. And then I was like, maybe you just can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like, I'll just constantly send her her name. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yes. But you kind of, um, you kind of brought this up, Margie. And of course, of course, of course, we watched your beautiful YouTube video uh, <laughs> to a brighter 2021. And here on the show, like we mentioned, we love vulnerability. Um, and that doesn't mean we're not afraid sometimes too, but we see so much of how being vulnerable just like releases some of the heaviness and it also makes people feel less alone and that's our whole mission here so we love that you created uh, a youtube video sharing your heart and most vulnerable thoughts regarding a difficult breakup so that led us to wanting to talk about courage and obviously you have a lot of it (laughs) so what does courage kind of mean to you um courage Okay, I literally, I know you guys are musical theater people, so like I'm gonna, I should quote uh, Newsies or whatever. There's like a song (laughs) called Seize the Day where it's like, courage does not erase the fear. Courage is when we face the fear. And like, I'm afraid every single day, honestly. Like I'm somebody, I don't know, I'm an, I run anxious. And I feel like little things like a phone call with somebody new scares the crap out of me. And I truly, everything scares me. And I just, it's pushing past it. And then slowly but surely you're like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. Yes. It's not scary anymore. That's so, and it's kind of like a, a, this beautiful virtuous cycle of learning you're brave. You can be brave and you're going to be okay. And most of the time fear is literally in your head. But in, in regards to, I mean, there's another element of, of courage, which is being vulnerable. And we started talking about that with Brene Brown, but oh, I mean, I, the whole thing of the breakup is just, 
that was uncharted territory for me. I don't know if you guys have had huge heartbreaks, but I hadn't really at 26. I fell in love for the first real deal time. I met him at 22 and at 26, I truly thought like I'd had hard times in my life. I'd had really sad emotional times and I was under the impression like, okay, I'm 26. I felt every emotion that exists out there, high, low, medium, in between. Mm. And then it's like the world in this one fell swoop, whatever that phrase is, they just gave me this palette of, I always see it like as an easel, right? Or like a palette that an artist has with all these different colors of emotion and they're all crappy and they're all really sad. And they said, here you go, have fun. You've never felt these before, enjoy, digest. And also you're gonna do that in isolation during a pandemic. Ugh. Heartbreak is, it is, it is immense mm-hmm. and so sad. Yeah. And it really, I think, I mean, that's the saddest I've ever been in my life. And like to the degree of that kind of traumatic and also I just think that the the scenario of the breakup was very traumatic so it just really my own brain was like has blocked a lot of the pieces out because it just is like something you're not going to revisit and part of what happened because there was publicity around it first of all I mean I was in total denial for a very long time I was so sad I thought that I was going to marry this person and then then I had I still have people ask today. I said to somebody, please stop asking me about this. I, I don't know. I can't answer these anymore. It still aches me. It still ruins the day that I'm having. If somebody says the wrong thing, Uh, but part of my healing process was like having to accept it and having to say it out loud. And I just, I mean, I'm kind of answering your question in just a story because I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. But essentially there was one night, I think it was about five and a half months out of this breakup. So I'd been through the trenches. I'm still in the trenches, but like I'd been through the hardest trench, um, which is the beginning. And I remember I was supposed to, I think like I'd been talking to a guy on a dating app. Like I <laughs> just like the knee jerk the reaction of like, okay, should I talk to somebody? Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, that's a whole other topic, but do a different show on that one. He and I, he and I just wanted different things. Like I'm a relationship person. I'm not here to mess around and he wanted to mess around. Mm-hmm. And therefore we were just misaligning on like maybe getting together. And I just remember something really bugged me about that weekend that we just misaligned. We didn't, I thought we were going to hang out. We weren't. And then on top of it, it was like my ex and I were supposed to be at a wedding that weekend. It was just an emotional weekend. You get it. And I found myself somehow on the toilet. I'm always on the toilet when emotional things happen. Like I'm on the toilet and I had been, I was like, okay, I'm not going to see this guy tonight. Let me like get ready for the Margie May show. Let me find some old idol footage for something for my guest. Mm -hmm. Of course you go through the the books, the catalog of your phone. And then I just found this little video, him either the worst, the worst, like of him, he and I like in bed or something totally like, like it wasn't us even trying. We're just this moment. We were so in love. I was like, I'm going to film this. It was like seven seconds. And I just like found myself crying and watching it 75 times. Right. And something about that moment of just, I kept watching it because I just wanted to feel, I could feel, I remembered that moment so vividly and how much I was like falling. You fall in love. You fall so deeply. And I fell so deeply and beautifully. And I just like wanted to relive that moment and like see how he grabbed my hand, just little things. And then I just was so 
five and a half months, I was just so freaking tired of feeling so sad that I just, you see, this is exactly where I filmed the video. I just, it was the middle of the night and I was like, F this. And I sat up and I put stupid lights on and I just was like, I'm making this effing breakup video because I need, and I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I just was like, it just flew out of my mouth, everything I needed to say. And then I like, was like one of those manic artists in a video, in a, in a movie. I just like, edited it right away. Usually I film and like put it away for a little bit. I like edited it till five in the morning. I was like, I gotta do this. <laughs> and, then, and then I lost my courage. I lost my courage to do anything about it because like I said, the moment that I was put on this platform of having people's eyes on me, mm. I was always met with criticism. Mm. Here's the deal. If you're following your bliss and singing your heart out in front of Katy Perry, Lionel Richie, Luke Bryan, that's all fun and games. That's all a win. But this was the first moment where this was not a win. Yeah. I did not want to share this. This was like my true, my heart getting ripped out of my and being shattered by another person who I just loved so vulnerably and so honestly. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't see that coming. And so I, I didn't, this was not a win. And I was like, I'm not ready for people to criticize me on this because I knew that there would be criticism and what was so, so I waited for two and a half more months. I sat on that video and I was like, I would talk about it in therapy with my therapist every weekend, every week. And I'd be like, I just want to put this out. I feel like it will help me accept what has happened. Mm -hmm. And finally, when I did, I just was like, this is the one moment I can like put it in like a positive spin and like kind of get away with it. And like, boom, yeah. if I didn't do it in that moment, I would never do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I did it. And that was when the most beautiful thing, another huge life lesson happened was, I mean, you guys, I, to this day, have not received a single, a, it gives me chills, like a single word of criticism oh, or negativity on that video. And like that is the true power of being vulnerable and showing up as your most authentic self. Like I needed, I was yearning in my heart so badly for freedom emotionally. Yes. And I was so scared. I put everything out there. I like what, run around in my underwear on TV if they asked me to, you know, like, well, not really. <laughs> a whole separate topic. But like, I, I just, it was so scary to share that. And the fact that I, I, I've gotten thousands of responses in my DMs on, on all these platforms. And I'm telling you, not a single piece of negativity. And that blew my freaking mind. And I said, and I just sealed the deal, like being vulnerable in a true way, not and Brene Brown does talk about this, not in a like, I want to put myself on the shelf and like talk about my breakup and like do it on my story and cry to the story. That's performance. That's wanting attention. That is not the same as true vulnerability. And I was scared out of my britches. And I've never said that phrase to go out. And I just said, I knew my heart, my knew it was like, it's like that word vomit when you fall in love with somebody on the contrary. And like, you just are so in love with them. You're like, I'm going to freaking say, I love you. It's going to come out. Like this was the breakup thing. And, and you know what happened that healed me making, putting that video out. Like I feel like a different, I mean, I have hard days of course, but like Honestly, I have, I'm running, what is it when I'm approaching home base? Like I am approaching yeah. 
the no. fourth phase. And so, yeah, I want you guys, I want to keep letting you guys talk. I'll keep giving you my, no, this is, it's all brilliant. And I'm so glad that you said the thing about, you know, the performative vulnerability versus real vulnerability, because we see over and over again, especially with this show. And like, when you, when you are truly really vulnerable, not a performative type, a real vulnerability, it always pays off because it gives people the opportunity to say me too. And that's what it's all about. And, you know, I'm sure you sharing your story allowed so many other women to start the healing process. Just to make you feel less alone, Margie, I also went through a horrific breakup this year. During quarantine, four years relationship, we were living together for two. Uh, Totally like happened in August. So like, I'm with you, girl. Like we're at the same timeline. Like I totally, just to make you feel less alone, I'm there too with you. And and to have to figure, navigate, how am I going to talk about this on this show? And I honestly think, like you said, putting your video out, how it kind of freed you in a way. I think that being like, I owe this to the people, you know, that, that of course I owe it to me to do it on my terms with what is like good for my healing. But I also felt like, you know what, this is really hard, but this is going to maybe help one person listening. Mm -hmm. And so I owe it to that one girl listening to like share what I can, when I can. And I think that that was a huge part of my healing process as well. So like, um, girl and like it really, I think that when you do open that door to vulnerability because you know we as humans like we're like our whole purpose of humans is to connect and to like be together and make connections so when you open that door even when it's like the scariest scariest thing you could ever ever think of like it's opening the door for connection and that in terms brings some sort of healing absolutely yeah and I saw it firsthand Margie I saw firsthand Julia from you know after this all happened us being in my room on my couch and being like how are we gonna recover (laughs) um And then going from a, hey, let's put out an extra guest episode because I'm not ready to talk about it. And then seeing this whole transition has been like, I, I just remember all of the feedback that we got when Julia did talk about it and people, you know, being like, I'm crying with her <laughs> and, and just all of those things. So I really think what's been so powerful to witness her journey, although of course, heartbreak effects is so powerful in a hurtful way um has been so interesting to see how she and how you and and all these people navigate like what feels like your world flipping upside down um mm-hmm. i think in, and, and also just as a quick side note thank you for sharing this with us we of course respect so much that this is a sensitive topic and it's not one we plan to dive into very much beyond the vulnerability to respect the impact it may have but mm-hmm. thank you guys like i'm telling you i could talk to you for three hours i'm talking <laughs> And I, whenever I like figure out my show better, I need to have you on Um, because I love this conversation and this is not me wrapping it up. This is just, I I could, I want to provide value. Like the podcasts that I am listening to are the ones where people are really talking about this stuff. And I'm like, this conversation is bringing value to people. And I like want to keep digging into it because it's like, I studied the psychology of health and wellness society. That was like the title of my area of concentration. Like I dig this stuff. I'm like, <laughs> why are we this way? And it just- I have to send you like my whole book list of everything. <laughs> oh my God, yay. Um, it just, it's, it. I remember in the room right over there across this stupid wall, feeling like looking out into the city that I've lived for five years that has become my home. And truly when something so grim like whatever, like just a monster or something happening to you. I see a lot of images. And I remember truly seeing like the rug being pulled from under my feet. And I was like, 
this, this city is so scary. Like I'm felt so homesick for the first time in so long. Yeah. And no, and it, it is something to be talked about. And like, and I also think this is also another conversation we can talk about for 45 minutes. Is <laughs> I think we talk a lot about, it's hard to be a woman in this society. I think that from what I've learned, because I have talked to old, young, male, female, to try to understand my scenario and my breakup, to get, have peace with it. And as women, I think an advantage that we have is that we are really good communicators. And then we talk yes. and talking heals yep. and provides understanding and growth and knowledge and and it heals us. Hence, put the video out, speak the truth. That also, you speaking through your truth and it's healing you. Anyway, I think as a man in this world, it's they, they have it a little bit harder. I feel bad sometimes thinking about my ex and being like, who, who I still obviously care for. Um, when you're loving someone so hard, that faucet is going full power. Like, it's very hard to turn off when you've opened up the fire thing on the world. You don't have to stop caring about someone or for someone just because, you know, you don't, you, you can't love them the way that you used to, or because mm. they you, you know, I think that that's a discrepancy that we think that we have to stop caring for someone just because they, they hurt us or maybe treated us, you know, in a way that we didn't deserve. I think when you could have true, true forgiveness for yourself and when you can, when you can care without, you know, expecting or needing something in return that that's also healing. Totally. Yeah. And I think I picture how he's not, I know he's not talking to anybody and I'm like, you're not healing and you are not progressing in your mm. life. You're not growing up and you are not understanding this for what it is. And you are not getting professional help and you need professional help more than I do. And I, and it's just like, I think I watch getting so close to someone in such formative years. It is hard to be a man in this world, especially if you're not just like the stereotypical macho man. I make hamburgers on the weekend and I'm a firefighter. Like it's <laughs> a gentle dude who's like emotionally and just emotional and sweet and all those things that like I actually happen to be attracted to. Yeah. I, that is hard to navigate in totally. this society we're in. And so I think, yeah, the power of talking about it with the three of us chatting and all the, I've been, I would be on the phone for 21 hours of the day. Anybody that would talk to me, I was just like, yeah. talk to me, talk to me. my voice would be so tired. Yeah. Those first like weeks of the breakup because all I, the only way I would feel better is if I was just freaking diary yeah. mouth on somebody. Yeah. Um, and like processing through it. And honestly, um, we had a conversation with three, uh, male podcast hosts, I want to say like two weeks ago or something. And Julia, we were saying that we feel like men aren't given this like grace and space to have these types of conversations. So they kind of can, you know, they don't, they don't get that same level of healing or connection. And again, that's, that's a huge generalization of course, but it's just definitely something that we've found throughout people that we've connected with but my goodness this has been so valuable <laughs> I, we have to wrap up because you have to go but i wish you could stay for literally ever eight minutes like get we can keep whatever <laughs> we want to take this we can keep taking this we yeah, have eight we minutes have, on the clock we we like we didn't even scratch the surface on like oh. <laughs> and courage and no <laughs> So you're gonna have to come back because we I, I will completely come back. You've been unbelievable, Margie. Again, we could like keep going for hours, but we'll we'll ask you our little two last questions so that you can go and do what you need to do. Um, 
has there been any resource in your life thus far that has helped guide you through your 20s? Could be a book, could be a podcast, a person, anything. Okay. I will dig deeper if you guys always are suggesting these, but I will say I highly recommend, as I've said, Glennon Doyle's Untamed. I think it is so important Mm -hmm. to talk about you to be a we all I want to be a mom in this world, right? I wanna I wanna have children, but to to be but I also want to be um, a role model, even if you're not my child, to anybody out there, to be a proper role model and to live wholeheartedly and to follow your bliss, you must be courageous and you must get in touch with your knowing and which is your intuition, which will guide you to all the places you need to be and I need to go. And to properly teach that to somebody, there's a difference between just telling your child or your the kids out there watching this or somebody listening to this saying it is not enough you must do it that is the most powerful way to teach somebody and then my second book that also goes ties into this is daring greatly by Brene brown because it's like if you teach your kids like be honest and don't steal but then you're stealing and and fighting and not or doing all these things that you're you're preaching what is it you must practice what you preach if you're not practicing what you preach, they will not learn it. Mm-hmm. It's all about what you're modeling. And so we owe it to everybody around us, everybody that we're all feeding off of each other's energy. You're inspired by me. I'm inspired by you, right? You must keep being courageous. It, it is infectious in the best of ways and it's inspiring. And it just, we would have a whole lot more blissful and kind world if people were were shown how to be courageous courageous and how to be vulnerable and to talk about emotions. And, and that, that is powerful. We do not do it enough. And I definitely know I was not modeled that by my family. And I was literally talking to my therapist about it. Like last Monday, she was like, how did you, where did you get, where did you figure out how to be this way? And we don't know. The answer is still unclear. Um, I think it had to do, I think the final rip of the bandaid was idle. Just being like, Whoa, I saw real life results of the emotional and of the physical by being vulnerable and courageous all at the same time. And it all started with one brave yes. Mm. And power of a brave yes is like everything in this world. So I think those are my two books that have really helped me. They're, they're, they're the ones that are like kind of illuminating right now. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I genuinely, I believe those are two incredibly powerful resources. We love to, to talk about those things here, of course. And it was so beautifully put. My goodness, Julia, you're going to have like 500 sound bites for this episode. Oh, no, um, no. And have you, re- have you read Year of Yes, Margie? No. Under Rhymes? You must. <laughs> it's the next book. Oh, she's running. Why she's is the right now? She's running together. Wait, I don't have it. Wait, I love Shonda Rhimes. I can't believe you've never read it because it's literally because you just, I just thought of it because you just said like, it's about the, yet, like the big yet. And that it's literally called Year of Yes. And it's just yes. all about that you need to read it. It's, it's really amazing. Fun. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to order that's, it. When that's the next one. I have a stack of books I need to read. I know. I feel like they always stack up. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And because- women in motion I'm like getting myself to sit down and read is actually so hard no 100% that's why sometimes I feel like an audiobook is my vibe or like a podcast because you can kind of like do something on on the same end but to respect your time I want to make sure we get to ask you at least this which is where can people find you where can they find the Margie Mays show all that good stuff (laughs) okay you can find me it used to be that all my handles were at Margie Mays music but obviously the goal was to delete the music I just wanted to be my name that would be helpful 
finally got that on Instagram. So Instagram, I feel like is my hub. You know, I got that link in bio situation where it links to everything else. But at Margie Mays, M-A-R-G-I-E-M-A-Y-S. I I almost questioned how to spell my own name. Um, I have a website, MargieMaysMusic.com. I'm on YouTube. I love YouTube. That's one of my favorite platforms. www.youtube.com slash MargieMaysMusic. You'll find me all there. Um, If you just Google Margie Mays, weird stuff's going to come up, but it'll be me. Because I'm um, and YouTube, Instagram, I'm uh, begrudgingly on TikTok, but yeah, anywhere you can find me, it's all there. Incredible. I will link it all in the show notes. Margie, thank you so much for your heart, your time, your wisdom. You are incredible. <laughs> you guys are incredible. Like truly, I feel like we're, well, now we are friends, but I, I want to like be walking across New York. This is for a different time and place. I want to like walk to New York and like hang out with you guys and get a coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love. Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.